Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to a special episode of Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. It's Wednesday, September 7th. The Colorado Dream podcast from KUNC shares the stories of Coloradans who are overcoming obstacles to create a better life for themselves and their families in an effort to achieve the American Dream. Hosted by Stephanie Daniel, the latest season, called Newcomers Welcome, explores the Black immigrant experience in Colorado, as told through the eyes of one African immigrant and Aurora as the city and its residents strive to become an inclusive home for all. This is Episode 4. Solo Mortada Bamba moved to Aurora, Colorado from Liberia on Africa's west coast over two decades ago. She came here to go to college and pursue her dream to work in the medical field. Salwa is one of over two dozen Black African immigrants and refugees that I interviewed for this series. They live, work, or go to school in Aurora and are from countries like Cote d'Ivoire, Burundi, and Sudan, where a lot of people are Black like them. So I was curious how they felt living here in Colorado, where they are a minority and in a country where discrimination and violence based upon a person's skin color is systemic. Do they see themselves as Black immigrants, Black Americans, or somewhere in between? I asked Salwa about this one day. How do you view yourself now? If I ask you, you know, Salwa, tell me, who are you? Who am I? Oh, boy. Are you for real? <laughs> do you want to think about it? Yes. Okay, we'll come back to that question. Um, but I guess kind of where I was going with this is, do you see yourself as a Black woman in America? Yes. Yes, definitely. I am Black and proud. (laughs) Yes, it's undeniable. But it took a few years for Salwa to understand what it meant to be Black in America. Just coming to terms with all the struggles of Black Americans in this country made me appreciate the sacrifices. And I tell people today, I am here as an immigrant because of their sacrifices. They paved the way for Indians and Chinese and Japanese, people from all around the world to be able to walk freely here today. I owe it to their sacrifices. I'm Stephanie Daniel, and this is the Colorado Dream Newcomers Welcome from KUNC. Our series explores the Black immigrant experience in Colorado. It's told through the eyes of one African woman and the city of Aurora that's working to become an inclusive home for all. This is episode four, Identity. After Salwa moved to Aurora in 1999, one of her first jobs was working as a cashier at a Sears department store. Her middle name is Rita, which is what she put on her name badge. She was worried people would have trouble pronouncing her name and didn't want to constantly be asked where she was from. Salwa is biracial. Her mom is Black Liberian. Her dad was white from Lebanon. Her skin is light brown, 
and she has long, naturally curly hair. When she was working at Sears, people often came up to her speaking Spanish. I have been treated as Hispanic, right? I have been treated as as Black. I have been treated as Indian. I've been called Hawaiian. So I've been called a lot of different um, things just by people looking at me. So there was a lot of confusion in my head. This confusion continued at the Community College of Aurora, where she was taking pre-med classes. There, she encountered a diverse mix of students. I didn't know if I should be Black because I never really ascribed to any color or race before, or if I should be white. I'm like, okay, so where do I fit? Um, Yes, there were people that, that looked like me, but I didn't know where they fit either. So the closest thing of affinity to me was to join the Christian group. The Christian group was all white. And after a couple of months, she realized, even though they shared the same faith, they didn't have much else in common. They are white Americans. I am a Black African woman. Let me go to my Black African American. And that's where I navigated to. Just, it fit. I immigrated to the U.S. like everybody does for a better life. Fabrice Combo is from the Democratic Republic of Congo and moved to Aurora in 2003. He's an entrepreneur, and his first business here was selling calling cards to fellow immigrants so that they could call home. It was an easy and inexpensive business to start. It was amazing. That was really like those aspects of America that really stuck with me, that, that sense of do it. That's really what the American dream was really, really manifesting for me. Fabrice started selling cars next, first locally, then in Africa. Then came the private jets he sold on the continent. Now his company, KE International, works in aviation, entertainment, agriculture, construction, and imports diamonds. How is it coming from a country that's majority Black to then coming to the U.S. and coming to Colorado, where you are now considered a minority? It was tough. It was tough from a psychological place. Being an immigrant, you don't quite see racism. You don't see it. You don't deal with it. As a matter of fact, you don't see it so much that you start thinking that African-Americans just complain because you don't see it. You don't, you're not sophisticated enough to see the subtleties. You're not integrated enough to see that the reason why you have such a tough time business-wise is because of that element. One of the things that helped Fabrice adapt to life in Aurora was dating an African-American woman named Danielle Young. She's originally from Los Angeles, and the two met at a community college in the Metro Denver area. I learned my English dating Danny. (laughs) That's my nickname. (laughs) She was wooed by my accent, as weird as it may sound. He was exotic. (laughs) Fabrice wanted to integrate into life in Aurora, but he worried about the racism he'd face as a Black man in America. So he would make his accent more pronounced to make sure people knew he was an immigrant. I would make myself purely, you know, fresh off the boat, African, and I get all the great service. If I sound as if I might be some variation of an African-American, I get the wrong treatment. So all these things inform the African immigrant that African-American is wrong. (laughs) 
Fabrice was among several African immigrants who I talked to for this series who brought up negative stereotypes about African-Americans, ideas they might have picked up from watching the news and following pop culture, where Black people are portrayed as drug addicts, gangbangers, and welfare queens. As an African-American, I know firsthand the reverse is true, too. We also have stereotypes about Africans. Growing up, I remember them being portrayed as primitive bush people and savages. My parents subscribed to National Geographic, which published photos of natives who lived in huts, wore loincloths, and carried spears. The magazine finally owned up to its racist coverage in 2018. So when Fabrice and Danielle started dating, other Africans thought he'd lost his mind. My whole community is like, what is wrong with you? You know she's going to put you in jail. You know she's going to do this. They're crazy. They don't they have no respect for the elders. And so all of those stigmas come. And my, I think that I'm uniquely positioned to give a perspective that could help because I've been married for 20 years to a sister from L.A. This sister from L.A. has an impressive resume. Danielle is the deputy political director for Colorado Governor Jared Polis and his re-election campaign. She is also the coalition building and advocacy consultant for the Village Exchange Center, the Aurora-based nonprofit that serves immigrant and refugee communities that we visited in previous episodes. My Black culture is strong and my pride in my people here is is strong. Um, However, uh, I always knew that there was something more than just the, um, the United States or America. Several years ago, Danielle's first cousin on her dad's side took a DNA test. Danielle's mom did too. She says both revealed Congolese ancestry. She's visited the Central African country twice with Fabrice. So it wasn't just him trying to assimilate to American culture. It was also me getting, wanting to get to know, like wanting to know the history and the family history. And all, the more I learned, the more I, I discovered that as a black person, how much we lost, you know, as, as a people. We all have been tra- traumatized as Africans. And I think that that's the, the, the conversation of humility and love that we need to get back to. Danielle and Fabrice are raising four teenage sons in a diverse neighborhood in Aurora. I am an African with a big A. What we have at home are African slash African-Americans, right? How do you describe that? Either you extend it with all those nuances or you simplify it and say they're African. My kids are African. He would love to see African and African-Americans come together in Aurora, especially around business. An African store that is African with a big A. Mm -hmm. The minute you walk in, you go this way, you get greens, you go that way, you get pundu and cassava, and you go, do you see my point? You go this way, you get your hair products, you come back this way, you get your health stuff. and In that way, the culture follows the economics. The idea of fostering economic collaboration between Africans and African-Americans is not new. Concepts like this have been around since at least the mid-19th century and the writings of Black intellectuals like W.E.B. Du Bois. Pan-Africanism is a worldwide movement that calls for the unity of African people, whether they live on the continent, in the Americas, Caribbean, or Europe. The belief is that they share a common history and a common destiny. 
These ideas are a foundation for the Center for African and African-American Studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. Professor Rayland Rabaka is the founder and director. I'm actually here to focus more on cooperation as opposed to conflict. I think that's the easiest thing in the world to do, is to talk about how divided, right, uh, divide and conquered uh, Black people are, but to actually talk about the unification and the liberation of Black folk, both on the continent and in the diaspora, those of us off the continent, that's a very rare conversation to be happening today. The Pan-African movement, he says, challenges African-Americans to learn about continental African history and their ancestry prior to slavery. African people have been around for about 27 million, 30 million years. So we have a long and proud history and culture that we need to connect. I mean, there's a reason we're calling ourselves African-American, right? So we know a lot (laughs) about the American part. What do we know about the African part? Then on the flip side, African-Americans have created a unique culture that was born out of the horrors of enslavement. A triumph over tragedy, he says, that led to racial and social justice movements throughout the decades. They paved the way for Black people from around the world to come here to pursue the American dream, as well as inspired change in other countries. Some people don't realize how much the civil rights struggle and the Black power movement and the Black women's liberation movement influenced uh, Black resistance movements around the world, but especially on the African continent The Center for African and African-American Studies provides a space for Black people across the diaspora to learn about each other's cultures. We need to do some African studies. We need to do some African-American studies. We need to do some Caribbean studies. Coming up, we'll hear how an African immigrant and his daughter are working to bridge the cultural divide within the Black community in Aurora. We are in these things we call journey. We are doing our part and... uh, Uh, Some of us got to do our part to better the life of our next generation. You're listening to The Colorado Dream. The Colorado Dream, Newcomers Welcome, is supported by Ames Community College. Positioning learners to meet current and future workforce needs in northern Colorado for more than 50 years. Info at ames.edu. Papa Dia is from Senegal, West Africa, and he's lived in the Metro Denver area in now Aurora for 23 years. In April of 2022, I met him at his office for this interview. So why don't we just start at the top? (laughs) (laughs) Very official. Uh, Tell me your first and last name. The first thing I learned is the proper non-English pronunciation of his last name, Dia, spelled D-I-A. The correct French pronunciation is Ja, because <clears throat> Senegalese was a French colony and we speak French. But most people here say Dia. He goes by Papa Dia here. Papa was 28 years old when he arrived in Colorado, and his first job was working at Tattered Cover Bookstore, where he taught himself how to read, write, and speak English. He became proficient enough that he landed a job at Wells Fargo Bank in downtown Denver. It was close to a hotel where many African immigrants worked, and they would come to his bank to cash their checks. And they were very excited to see an African brother that looked like them, that sounded like them, that they could relate to. And, uh, and they would go and tell all the African brother. And next thing you know, the entire village will show up to the bank. It got to a point 
where there'd be 30 people waiting for him in the lobby. He not only helped them cash checks, but also get car loans and set up business accounts. They would also bring their immigration papers for him to review. The bank started complaining about him spending so much time with these customers. But as an immigrant, I understood how valuable it was to have somebody that could guide you through this process when you come here. So he came up with a plan to start a new organization, the African Leadership Group. The mission of the African Leadership Group is to help the African diaspora integrate and prosper by developing community leaders and advocating for economic, social, and educational impact. It has more than a dozen committees that focus on topics like legal assistance and home ownership. During the month of August, ALG hosts Africa Impact, celebrating Africans' contributions in Colorado. Another goal of the group is to bring together Africans and other Black Americans, which is especially important here in a state with the fastest growing Black immigrant population over the past two decades. There's a tension between the African immigrant and the Black community. Why? Because of misconception and assumption from both parts. So for me, coming together, being united as Black, as African immigrant, as African in the diaspora, however you want to identify yourself, it's a must. And it's time. During the summer of 2021, they surveyed 500 people from Colorado's Black communities. One question was, how do you identify yourself? And there, there's an option, Black, African-American, African, African immigrant, and others. The finding was, Stephanie, it was just amazing. So I identify myself as an African immigrant. My kids, they identify themselves as Black. But he says some immigrants from island countries were offended because there wasn't a Caribbean or Afro-Caribbean option. The survey also showed misunderstandings between groups and that they experience racism differently. But there was also a strong willingness to come together and work together. One day, Papa and ALG were hosting a large Zoom meeting to discuss COVID vaccinations. And right in the middle of the presentation... Somebody uh, uh, took over our system and, and, and was playing racing, racist song using the N-word. It shook me. That was my first time where... I felt it deep inside of me that uh, I was hurt. And I can relate now. For the longest time, I was never able to relate with my African-American brothers and sisters that had been through this for centuries. Now I can relate. Papa's oldest child, Miriam Dia, came in after the incident. When she learned what had happened, she burst into tears. Seeing him experience racism in that way, which I've never seen him experience, I was like, wow. Like, wow, I was really taken aback to that. And I realized the difference, like, because they don't experience it directly. But being in this country, you will experience it directly every single day. Miriam is 16, and she remembers, back in elementary school, her classmates would say hateful things. They call you an African booty scratcher or just making fun of the way you smell. Because, you know, African food has that strong smell and tends to override into your clothes. So... And they just make fun of you. Being dark-skinned as well, you get made fun of that all the time, even by other African American, and sometimes even other dark-skins. When I met up with Miriam, she's dressed in blue jeans and a black Poetic Justice T-shirt with a picture of Tupac Shakur. 
the early 90s film starred the late rapper and Janet Jackson. Oh, I love me some Tupac. Um, I'm a 90s, like, fanatic. She also loves to watch basketball and work on her small makeup business. Miriam's Magnifique Collections sells eyelashes and lip gloss. Miriam was born in Senegal and moved to Colorado when she was only a couple months old. She has dual citizenship. I think it's pretty powerful. I mean, I get to say I belong to two different countries and I get to say that I can go and make change in both of those countries because that's such a powerful thing to hold citizenship. Like, you belong to this country. Miriam attends a statewide charter high school and is enrolled at the Aurora campus. In October of 2021, she and her Ethiopian friend were sitting in the world history class wondering if they were ever going to learn about African history. It was on the syllabus, but the teacher hadn't covered it yet. Turns out, she never did. And we're sitting back in this class bored, and because we felt like we weren't learning anything, we just started planning the club, literally in the back of that class. There, they created the Afro Student Alliance and designed the club's logo, a closed fist in the shape of the continent of Africa. The administration asked Miriam and her friend to change the name. With Afro in the title, the club could be perceived as only for people of African descent. And according to the school's website, this isn't allowed because clubs can't promote divisions within the student body. We were really intentional with the title Afro because that can mean Black, that can mean African, that can mean Afro-Latina. And everybody has um, connection to Africa somehow, some way. The club is open to everyone. It has about 25 members, mainly Africans and African-Americans, but Latino and white students are part of it too. But Afro Student Alliance isn't allowed to have a teacher sponsor or a private place to meet. They gather in the cafeteria after school. It isn't ideal, but the group is moving forward. One of the goals we have is to just prepare leaders within our communities, within our school. In 2022, they hosted a seminar series during Black History Month with topics ranging from the history of the NAACP to the relationship between African and African-American histories. We just felt like it was a great opportunity for everybody to share their perspectives and help build people up and show them different sides of life. Marion wants to become a lawyer and continue to be an entrepreneur. But first, she plans to attend a historically Black college. What are you shopping for? I'm trying to get some rice right here. This is one of our staple food sources. Salwa and I are at an African grocery store in a strip mall in Aurora. She's been shopping here for over two decades and watched it grow from a small market to the bigger location it's in now. Like dried shrimp, I always get. It gives the taste, um, the food and real African taste. (laughs) Salwa has stayed connected to her roots through businesses like this one. And what she feels is Aurora's tight-knit African community. But over the years, she's also grown more connected to the struggles of Black Americans. Thousands in Minneapolis made their anger and their fury clear last night over the death of George Floyd, a Black man who died in police custody. Salwa will never forget May 25th, 2020, the day George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police after an officer forcefully pressed his knee into Floyd's neck. And I sat in disbelief. I I kept waiting for him to see if he would take his knee off. 
but eight minutes went by and he died right in front of my eyes. And I was, I was shocked. During that time, she was getting a doctorate degree in nursing at the University of Colorado. And I remember the university had a, like a day where they wanted all faculty, staff, supporters to go on campus and and take a knee. So that sparked a fire in me. I'm, I'm like, yes, I'm going. Salwa had already identified as a Black American, but with the death of George Floyd, now she's ready to fight alongside them to become a voice for change. On the final episode of the Colorado Dream Newcomers Welcome, we explore what stands in the way of the city of Aurora being a welcoming home for all immigrants. And Salwa achieves another big milestone. Wow. I never thought this day would come. That's next time on episode five, Home. The Colorado Dream Newcomers Welcome is a production from KUNC. It was written and reported by me, Stephanie Daniel. Editing by Johanna Zorn. Fact-checking by Kat Jaffe, with additional help from Adam Reyes. This season's theme song was composed by Jason Patton, who also sound designed and mixed the episode. Additional audio is from NPR's Morning Edition. Ashley Jeffcoat is the digital editor. Special thanks to Chandra Thomas-Whitfield, Robert Legia, Kyle Cunningham, and Kim Race. Sean Corcoran is KUNC's Executive News Director. Tammy Turwell is KUNC's President and CEO. To learn more about Salva Mortada Bamba and the city of Aurora, and to see photos of the people included in this episode and other extras, go to KUNC.org slash Colorado Dream, or check out the show notes for a link. That was the fourth episode of the new season of the Colorado Dream. To listen to the rest of season two, newcomers welcome, go to KUNC.org or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for this special episode of Colorado Edition. You can catch the Colorado Edition podcast every Friday. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Thank you for spending some time with KUNC's Colorado Edition. See you on Friday.